0: Well, good morning. Not bad. Let's try it again. Good morning. Welcome to Friday Chapel. My name is Paul Brandis. I serve here as the Associate Vice President for Student Life and Chaplain of the College. Thank you for gathering with us this morning. Uh, we're starting this morning with a, a unique but really fun announcement. Uh, up here, I have a massive birthday card because Ralph Gilmore, everybody say happy birthday, Ralph. Ralph is not actually here, but Ralph is a, get this guys, a 1943 graduate of Sterling College and he is celebrating his, are you ready? 100th birthday. Yes. On April 2nd, so coming up here in just a couple weeks and y'all, like Betty White didn't even make it to 100, you know what I mean? Like too soon? Too I know, it is too soon. I know, it is too soon. Betty White, national treasure. So is Ralph Gilmore. At least he is a Sterling College, uh, national, he's a Sterling College treasure. He served on the Board of Trustees for 39 years from 1961 to the year 2000. I don't know if you all knew this, but at one time there was a vote whether or not we were going to renovate Cooper Hall or tear it down. Ralph voted to keep it, which I'm very grateful that he did that. Over his lifetime, he has given, are you ready for it? He has given more than $2 million to Sterling College in support of scholarships, special projects, and the general work and operations of the school. Ralph met his wife, Myrna, at Sterling College as students in the 1940s, and they were married for more than... 71 years before Myrna passed away in 2017. All three of his daughters uh, came to school here. Glennis Doan is actually a current board member, is one of uh, Ralph and Myrna's daughters, six of their grandchildren, and they influenced dozens, dozens more students to attend Sterling College over the years. The last thing I want to share, and I'm building towards something I'm going to ask you to do here at the end of chapel, uh, but Ralph gave $500,000 to the Sterling Now campaign, which was for the renovation of uh, Gleason and for the Future Science Hall and when asked why he was supporting this campaign, I love this, Are you ready to hear it? Ralph said, I'm supporting this campaign because it's exciting to see new buildings on the campus and to support our students, faculty, and staff. Students using the new improvements of the campaign can be assured they have been given the opportunity now to not only learn how to live, but also given the facilities to learn to do the best job. The work of this campaign will attract quality students who will be the Christian leaders of tomorrow. Not only that, but the town of Sterling will also benefit from these campus improvements. Dude wrote that in his mid-90s, right? I mean, this is amazing, the legacy that he has here. And I would really, really, really love if we could get like at least 100 signatures, right? That'd be really lame if we couldn't do that. So on your way out, I will move this back up here. I've got some pens. Just come down front. Uh, write happy birthday Ralph in your name, maybe when you're graduating, uh, it doesn't have to be long, but let's, uh, let's honor the legacy of Ralph, and maybe someday in like 80 years, some chaplain will be up here talking about how awesome you are, and having the students of Sterling College sign a birthday card for you. One more time, happy birthday Ralph! Okay. Yes, so that was different and awesome. We love our rich history and legacy here at Sterling. Uh, this morning uh, we have Quentin Moore with us uh, to give our chapel message. Quentin is the lead pastor at the Father's House, which is a church in Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, Quentin and his wife Annie they started the Father's House in 1986, and so they have had a long career of ministry a bit before uh, that even. But uh, in Hutchinson uh, since the mid 1980s, and we've had Quentin on campus before a couple of years ago. He did a great job then and I'm eager to have him uh, back here today to share a message with us from God's Word dear Lord we just thank you for this day we thank you for this time that we get to worship you and to hear from you I'm um, we we just thank you for this day and for this time that we get to be alive and in your presence and uh we just pray blessings over this day and over this sermon that we're about to hear and uh thank you in jesus name amen
1: hey good morning sterling i love it when you talk back to me i'll feel home if you do so good morning sterling would you do me a favor would you stand for just one more moment thank you for the wonderful wonderful worship you guys are awesome uh I have a friend, and I think you do too, uh, that is in Poland right now. And I think it's remiss if we move beyond this moment and not realize the suffering that's taking place in our world. And uh, one of the Jaderson boys and his wife are right there, and they're feeding people coming out of Ukraine. And uh, one of the things I think that we have to remember is all that affects us. Whether you can catch it or not, whether you understand it or not, I'm telling you it affects you. And if you just would just pray with me for just a moment, not only for uh, them, but for all those who are treating. Father, in Christ's name, we come to you this morning. And I know that we find you in the midst of suffering. We think we find you in chapel. We think we find you in the church. We think that we find you in our song. But Lord, I know we find you where humans are hurting and suffering. So Lord, we pray this morning that you protect our friends who are there serving and even more that you be with those that are suffering. We ask it in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I uh, left my phone down there, Paul, it's going to go off and it's going to be in that bag. And when it goes off, just turn it off and it'll let me know. When I'm supposed to be done. All right. Hey, uh, my name's Q. If you call me Quentin, you don't know me. If you call me Q, I know you know me. So uh, if you see me later, just call me Q. Let me tell you I'm a rich man and they're going to show you a slide here in a minute. Let me tell you what makes me rich. It's uh, those people right there. So uh, I'm the father of four. I've been married to my wife 45 years. We have four children. One of them's a graduate here of Sterling and uh, 12 grandchildren. And can I tell you something? You're all young, but what'll make you rich in 40 years is that. What'll make you rich is not what you do for God or what you go achieve for yourself or others. That's what'll make you rich. So I want to encourage you give you a real goal. Uh, live your life in such a way that you can be in your 60s and say, I'm rich because of who loves me. Because uh, it's who loves you and who you share life with that will make you rich. I want to talk to you real quick this morning. Get out of your way. John chapter 15, 13 through 17, four verses. Uh, Greater love have no man than this than to lay down his life for friends. Say for friends. Mm. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. Say it out loud, I am a friend of God. For all things that I heard from my Father, I've made known to you, for you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, that whatever you ask in the Father's name, He would give to you. And these things I command you, that you love one another. Uh, I think I've earned the right at 41 years of ministry to say the foundation of faith it's not found in the rules, the law, your doctrine, your denomination, or even your debate, but the foundation of faith is found in friendship. That Christ comes to us and says to you, you're my friend. Uh, and and he, didn't, he didn't put it on Facebook, he didn't tweet it or Instagram it, he didn't even need you to like it back. He just said, I did it. I chose you, not because you're beneficial to him, not really because you have anything to offer to him, but because he has something to offer to you. You see, I'm convinced that the culture is impoverished because of its underappreciation for true friendship, and that the enemy himself has offered you uh, a facsimile thereof, but it's not really real, and that the true friendship comes from God having chose human beings to be close to him, not because you're going to necessarily get the benefits of what you think. Uh, Gregory the Great makes this statement. I think I've got it on a slide. If anyone were to ask me what the best thing in life is, I'd tell them, friends. I have a huge family around me, but can I tell you, at the end of the day, I just want them on my epitaph to write, he was a good friend. I'm convinced that friendship is the only way that you ever come to know who Christ really is. In my life, at every juncture of transition, suffering, pain, or joy in my life, there was a friend there. Maybe I didn't know it at the time, but they were able to guide and direct me through that moment of my life. Another great, great quote I like is, until we learn the sacred thing of true friendship. See, friendship is sacred. It's not secular. It's really sacred. Until we understand how sacred friendship is, it is really futile to think of anything called a Christian life. Uh, I'm in a higher learning institute, so I'll, I'll let the professors clean this up. But I do not think you can think your way into living right. I think you can live your way into thinking right. And the way you do that is to recognize that the people around you are images of God, that everyone around you is special, unique in the image of the Lord. And if you look just a little bit, you'll discover it And they will be a blessing to you, and you can be a blessing to them, and that can be the foundation, if you will, as Aristotle says, of true moral life. And that true moral life is not found because we make laws for one another, but true moral life is found because we appreciate and care about the people next to us. And we'll treat them with the respect and the generosity that they so deserve. Aquinas makes these statements. He said there's three kinds of friendship. He says the kinds of friendship that give you an advantage, and so you become friends with them because they are useful to you, right? They have something you want and you use them. Second kind of friendship is those friends that bring you pleasure and that you like it because they make you happy in some way. But the third and the greatest kind of friendship is the benefit of a friendship wherein you work for their good. You're not trying to get advantage from them or seek pleasure from them, but you recognize that you can deposit into their life something of value. And that that kind of friendship, which is very rare in our culture here in the West, but that that kind of friendship is the friendship that reveals and makes known who God is to us. It's contrary to our capitalistic consumer culture that just advertises if you buy this facial cream, you won't get lines or it'll save your hair. Let me tell you, they lied to you. It is lied, I can tell you. But that friendship itself is not something to be consumed and used and that we cannot look at each other as products, but we must see each other as people for whom we invest our lives in. And again, I believe that friendship is the foundation of my faith, of my Christianity. It comes to me unmerited, undeserved, unexpected even. It's a surprise to hear the Son of God say, I call you friends. It's a surprise. I've been unpacking it nearly 64 years to recognize that the only thing that can satisfy my life is true friendship. I actually think that real friendship, according to David, is greater than the love of a woman. I actually think that outside of that physical contact, real friendship is revealed. Chesterton makes this statement. There's only two things that can satisfy the soul, One is a story, and even that story must be about friendship. I could start today and tell you stories and stories of friendship. Listen, friendship, number one, has to be a choice. I chose you. Uh, Friendship has to be a choice. I choose to know you. I choose to uh, listen to you. I choose to care about your story more than I care about my story. It's a choice. Friends don't just come walking. they're, They're chosen. He chose me. He chose you. And you have to begin to understand that you have to choose those. Christ is challenged by his friendship with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't choose people because of their behavior, because of how they measured up. He just chose them just because they breathe. Number two, uh, friendship always begins with a conversation. Listen, I have this wonderful conversation with a lady who's beautiful, and it started when we were 13 years old in a little place called Eureka, Kansas, in the halls of the 8th and ninth grade class. (laughs) You can't have a friend if you're not willing to communicate and converse. You see, Christ calls Abraham his friend. He calls Moses his friend. And now Christ comes and calls you. He begins a conversation. There is no friendship outside of the ability and the willingness and the choice to communicate with one another. Language its so beautiful. Really? Language. He spoke and the world came into being. He calls you and you are. Uh, as I look over this crowd, we're living in a culture that doesn't value language. It misuses language. and Language can either bring life or death, friends or foe. Be careful how you use your words and your language because it will connect you to people. And that connection is so important because you need to live your life in an atmosphere, if you will, of people that you can share not only the bad things, but the beautiful things. If you're trying to think of who are my friends, it's easy for me. When I see a beautiful landscape falling over uh, the horizon of Ireland, I think of the people I wished I could share that with. Or when I'm hurting and the people I need to comfort me, that are the people, those are the people with whom I have a connection. And our lives merge together and I can't imagine not sharing life with those souls. The fourth thing that I think comes is it brings identity to me. I'm a Friend of God. Did you know that? You're a friend of God. You'll never find out who you are alone. Contrary to the American dream of individualism, uh, individuals will never know their personhood apart from the relationships in which they share life. It has to be confirmed by others. They confirm to me that I'm somebody's husband and dad, and my favorite one is Pops right now. I'm just really enthralled with that. They, they, they give you identity. If you want to know who I am, let me tell you who my friends are, and they'll tell you who I really am. See, I exist because we are. Umbutu, or the Lakota tribe, has no pronouns for me or for I, but only for us and for we. You find yourself in that connection, which leads us into this thing we call communion. Communion. Union with God. I would challenge anybody today, salvation is not about where you get to go when you die, but it has to do with who you're united with now. Because listen, to become one with God is to become one with each other. Unity is where the blessings and the beauty of God is. Who do you commune with? Who do you table with? My friend Leonard Sweet wrote a great book called Tabling. Whoever those two young ladies are, I challenge you to read that book. It's a great book. Who we live in communion with it all begins with a choice and a conversation. It all begins with a connection and a communion. And a, it, Again, friendship. It's the foundation of all faith. It's always been a friend that led me into the realization that Christ loved me. It was a friend that led me into the realization that Christ was with me when I suffered. He was with me when I celebrated those friends who love at all times, those friends who stick closer than a brother, those friends who, as Aquinas says, brings out the best in you. They're not critical. They're bringing out the best in you. They're working for your highest and your best, and you're working for their highest and their best. That is the essence of the joy of living. And again, again, uh, Greek scholars can that is happiness. Eudomina, human flourishing. It's the best of the best when two brothers, two sisters, when two people are working for each other's good. When that happens, can I tell you, that is heaven on earth. That is heaven all the way to heaven. That is joy unspeakable to live in a culture wherein I choose you, not because of what you can be or do for me, but I choose you just because you are valuable and you matter and you're good. And I'm willing to move into a vulnerable conversation and reveal myself to you and connect with you on the basis of what you're doing. And to live in that connection until we can confirm one another's identity
2: and share life with one another. Mm. I got
1: four minutes. Let me tell you three little things. To live in good relationship with someone you have to be able to trust. You can trust And can I tell you, I'm not sure I trust any of you. I don't know any of you, right? My trust has to be in God who created you. My trust has to be in the Lord who is ordering my steps. Most people misunderstand trust as a test. And so they test each other before they begin to trust. Listen, I haven't got the test to prove that you're any good. Don't live your life testing people. Live your life trusting God. And if you trust God, you can trust others. Trust. If you're going to have good relationships, you've got to be able to trust. And that begins by trusting in Him, leaning not to your own understanding. And secondly, you'll never have great friends unless you can be transparent. In fact, I'm in, I'm in a college, right? Somebody know the Jahari window? You see, as you begin to trust and as you're willing to become transparent what will happen is you'll discover more about yourself than you've ever known. Because, you know, there's that part of you that's public, and there's that part of you that's private, and then there's that part of you that no one knows anything about. But as I'm willing to trust you and be transparent to you, I'll tell you more about me, and then you'll reveal to me what I don't know about me, and you, you move over into that unknown self. See, friends help me discover more about me than I know about me because we're willing to live in a trustful and a transparent relationship And in that kind of an atmosphere, it will transform you. It'll change the way you think about yourself. It'll change the way you think about God. and It'll change the way you think about others. To live in a trust, transparent, transforming relationship, that's friendship. That's the essence of friendship. And can I tell you, that's the only way over trauma. There's this whole, any educational students in here, trauma-based learning. The only way to help people get through trauma is to lead them into a relationship where they can begin to trust and be transparent again so that you create an atmosphere of true transformation. Only then will you ever teach them anything. It's in a room full of friendships. I don't care whether you're in a kindergarten class or whether you're in sophomore college. If that classroom isn't based in trust and transparency and transformation you're just sharing knowledge and that kind of knowledge will never lead you into victory the only kind of knowledge that takes you into revelation i chose you to be my friend i'm convinced that friendship is the basis of my faith it's the rule of life it truly will change the world it truly will transform and bring you into that place where you'll discover more about you than you know about yourself. I got four minutes.
2: I was eight, nine
1: years old. I was being raised in a little place out in the eastern part of Kansas called Severy. Anybody know where Severy is? You do? Man, how do you know Severy? You're from there. I grew up there. And Cool. I grew up there, and and my closest friend was about a mile away. His name was Jerry Brown. We we didn't travel like you did, so I had to spend all my time right there in this little bitty place. The only friend I could have was Jerry Brown. I would never have chosen Jerry Brown if there had been anybody else to choose. I'm still friends with Jerry Brown. I can remember he and I rolling around in the dirt when we didn't like each other and then bumping into one another and saying we're still friends. I'm still friends with Jerry Brown. And then about 2004 or five, I met this, no, actually, it before that. I was in the 90s. I met a friend. His name was Tony. And Tony and I met in South Africa. I did missions work there, and he was in South Africa, and we became friends. And in the early 2000s, we met again in Argentina, and we bumped into a guy by the name of Jorge, Jorge Mario Bergoglio.
2: And we became friends. And today, anybody know who Father Briggelgliel is? Now you can show me the picture. I'm friends with him
1: because I bumped into him. I've been with him about seven times. I mean, when I say friends, we're not going to change the church. I'm not going to argue with you about doctrine. But today, as he blesses Ukraine and Russia, I bless Ukraine and Russia with him. I'm a kid from Severy, Kansas, that wrestled with a kid by the name of Jerry Brown, who has four children and 12 grandchildren, had the privilege of a number of things. But can I tell you, the most special thing in my life are the people that I was willing to look beyond what many people think divides doctrine, institutions, denominations, what you think, what I think, and recognize that individual as valuable, as important, as worthy to be chosen to share life with. I'm simply saying in front of you from Severy, Kansas, and Jerry Brown, who is my friend, to Pope Francis, who is my friend, and I'll see you
2: again in April. Friendship is the foundation of my faith. Friendship is the lifeblood of my life.
1: Make sure you take time in your life to move beyond Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Move beyond your doctrine and your
2: opinions and just value the person beside you. And can I tell you something? Your faith will flourish in the midst of that friendship.
1: Paul, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for the faculty. Thanks for the college. It's always my privilege. I love my community. Uh, I I love serving in Reno County, and uh, uh, I just bless each one of you to uh, accomplish great things in your life. Father, in Christ's name, I pray over this student body, each and every one of them. I ask you, Lord, to reveal your friendship to them in ways they've never thought. I pray that they would recognize you and everyone around them, and they would know the joy of being your friend.
2: Amen. God bless.